Oh, I, yes, thank you. So go ahead and put that up on the screen. Yesterday, um, there was an ordination service in our district. There was about 20 pastors that were ordained. So how ordination works is, first you get licensed, and then after you're licensed, uh, they really uh, watch your ministry for a couple of years. And, and a lot of times people, uh, after a couple of years, end up getting out of it. But ordination is a significant event that God's calling is on your life as you go forward. So Ricky and Stephanie received their ordination yesterday. We got to pray with them. They probably had about 20 members of their church. So yes, we can applaud them. And remember, many times when we uh, close, they are actually coming into service. So if you would, uh, it's a great encouraging uh, time. And we want to bless, uh, bless them as well too. So great time together. Thank you, Madison. All right, well, open your Bibles with me. In fact, a couple places today. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, and then Philippians chapter 4. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, and Philippians chapter 4. And as we come into um, November, everything that we listen to or hear about has to do with Thanksgiving, right? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is not an event on a Thursday coming up that you have a day off to stuff yourself and to watch as much football as you can. Thanksgiving through the Bible is a lifestyle. In fact, really, it always seems to be connected when you pray, you give God thanks. Why do you thank him? Because he's already at work. You continue to thank him. So I'm going to look at that today. In fact, really focusing on telling God thank you, but what are the obstacles to giving thanks tends to be some of the words we're going to look at today. This being anxious, the pressure, the anxiety, the things that we focus on too much. And so let's first look at what Jesus said. And I thought this is interesting of the two things that Jesus focuses on. Early in his ministry through the Beatitudes in uh, Matthew chapter 5 or 6, verse 25. He says, therefore, I say to you. So make it personal today. Therefore, Jesus says, Walter, I want to tell you today this. Don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So isn't it interesting the two things that he says, don't worry about food don't worry about your clothes. I thought about this. If I were to go on and I were to do a little research on social media, would it be true that a lot of people post what they eat and what they wear? Oh, I got a new shirt. I just want everybody to see it. Or I'm eating at my favorite restaurant and you had to see the rice that I just have. You ever notice people like, and I, we have a tendency to do that, but Jesus is letting us know don't worry about the things that fuel your body to move on. Don't worry about the things that you put on. Let me get, he says, I'm going to give you these examples. Look at the birds of the air. For they don't go to work on Monday morning. Oh, that's not what it says, right? <laughs> they neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns. Yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more of value than they? Are you not more, are you not more worth more? 
You know, there's probably birds circling in and out right now. Oh, they can't wait for that little kid to get his french fries because they know he's going to throw a few down. <laughs> Don't you know the Heavenly Father takes care of even the sparrow? But there's the turn. How much more is he going to take care of you? Watching out after you. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? Oh, God, I'm 6'2". I want to be 6'4". I want to be 6'4". Is that going to work? No. Right? Worrying about it. Is that going to work? No. In fact, he goes on. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of what? Little faith. You're not believing. We're not believing in him. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. And here's what he ends in verse 33 and 34. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. In fact, I like to think of it. Focus on his kingdom. Focus on what he is passionate about. And notice what he says. All these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about Monday, tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is your own trouble. So he's focusing on the things that we need. You know, I have found a secret in my marriage that if I want to set my wife off, I know how to do it instantly. You know what it is? I put unusual food in her mouth and don't tell her what it is. So I, I believe it was our first year here at church. In fact, the, uh, our Chinese ministry had this canned, like, seaweed jello. And it came out in cubes. And it was, like, I tried it. It was really, really good. In fact, and I thought, Michelle needs to try this. So I walked up in front of a group of our Chinese, and I, with a spoon, I said, you got to try this. And I shoved it in her mouth. And she just saw this green, slimy thing go in her mouth. And she ate it. In fact, I remember going home that she said, don't you ever put anything in my mouth in front of people? That was the most disgust disgusting. That was awesome. I want to know where to get it. Don't ever do that. That made me so mad. Well, we, uh, we went with a friend a couple months ago. There's a sushi place this guy loves. And he had me tried this uh, octopus. And the way that they boil it and grill, I mean, it, it doesn't taste like octopus. And I thought Michelle needed to try it. So uh, I got a little bit of it, and I put it in her mouth, and she's chewing it. I said, isn't it really good? And she says, you know what? It's really good. What is it? That's what she said. What is it? It's an octopus. <laughs> octopus. You know, she's like, and, and I hear it on the way home, right? Don't you ever put anything in my mouth in front of people, Right? So I know how to set her off, and it's with food, right? So if I'm going to really, if I really want to get her, it's finding something, right? Just say, hey, try this. 
Isn't it interesting? Jesus wants to take the focus of the things that he knows we need and focus everything on the Father. But he uses this word. Don't worry. Don't worry. Let me ask you a question today before we go on. In fact, maybe you even need to write it down. What are you the most worried about today? Sunday, November 3rd, 10.48 a.m. What are you most worried about? What are you most concerned? What are you facing that maybe you've held on to it and Jesus is saying, and we're hearing it today, don't worry. And you say, That's, how do I do that? Well, let's look at a few other scriptures here. But I want, I'd like you to write down that. What are you the most worried about? So in Philippians chapter 4, let me get over there. Philippians chapter 4. If you've not read, I encourage you, if you've not read the book of Philippians in one sitting, it's four chapters. Uh, it's easy to sit down. In fact, the, the great part of reading Philippians is having this in mind. Paul originally was in a dungeon. But the church in Philippi pulled together an offering, sent it to Paul through a guy named Epaphroditus. Paul was able to pay, it probably was a bribe, so that he wouldn't be in a dungeon, that he would be under house arrest, but he would be chained. So he's not in this cold, stinky dungeon, but he's in house arrest. Really, Philippians is a thank you letter, thank you for doing this, but also focusing all of their attention on a God that will supply all of their needs. So he's house arrest, he's chained, but remember this, Paul wants to be out and about preaching in synagogues, teaching in churches, starting churches, and yet he's chained like a dog. He can't do what he needs to do. Yet he pens Philippians through the Holy Spirit, and even today, in November of 29, we're reading what he wrote, and it becomes a word even to us. And so I want to look at Philippians 4, verses 4 through 9. And he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now, let's remember his present circumstance. House arrest, chain, writing, Soldier watching him. I can't be there. I, I can't get out and, and start churches. He probably doesn't even know that the scripture is going to end up in our reading, that God's going to take this as, you know, it's God breathed for us. But he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. But then he wants to emphasize it. And again, that's probably for us thick headed people, right? Again, I say, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. You know, when he says, let your gentleness, because I started, I thought, remember, this was Saul, the one that could not stand you because you're a Christian, that would drag you and your family and throw you into prison, would be present at the stoning of Stephen, holding coats, probably loved that Stephen was stoned and killed. And he says, let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing. 
If it stopped right there, it would seem to be enough. Say that with me. Be anxious for nothing. Ready? Be anxious for nothing. So let me, before I read on, read this word. The Greek word, how it was written, is the word worry, which is anxious, that we read in English, which means to be pulled in different directions. Isn't that a good word picture for worry? That worry pulls you. You can't think straight. It keeps you up. You, you start wondering about this, or you do things to try to help the worry that really doesn't help out. It really is. It's a great picture to be pulled in different directions. Uh, our hopes pull us in one direction, but our fears pull us in an op opposite direction, so it almost seems like we're getting pulled apart. Doesn't that seem true? The more you worry about something, it does. It seems to pull you apart. The old English root word for the word worry is the word to strangle. Right? Isn't it true? Has worry ever felt like its hands around your throat? That you're so uptight and concerned about something that you feel like being strangled. You know, doctors have come up with, with people that are under high anxiety or worry or have high stress jobs. They find these conditions. Headaches. Neck pain, ulcers, back pain. Worry affects your thinking, your creativity. It affects your digestion. Even your coordination, they say, is all affected in the result of those that worry or are anxious. So if we look at the spiritual point of view, worry is wrong thinking. In fact, Paul's going to say some things coming up for us to get our thinking back in line. Worry is a wrong feeling that gets in our heart because we start to worry about circumstances and people and the things that we can't even control. Think about that. We worry sometimes about the very thing that we can't control. Psychologists say this, that when they studied people that worried the most, they found that 8% of the things people worry about were legitimate matters of concern, that 92%, though, were either imaginary, never ended up happening, or involved matters that people really had no control. And yet we focus sometimes on those, and it becomes something that strangles us, something that holds us back. We're not creative. Uh, we're not moving forward on the things that God has asked for us to do. You know, one of the things that gets, and it seems so simple, heart trouble. That might not bug you. For some of you be like, awesome. I can't wait to get my tools out, and we're going to have an automotive day. The battery goes out of the car. That just drives me crazy. Right? And that's plug and play. I don't know why. Car trouble. That the, a flat tire. A flat tire sends me into a spiral. Right? And that's easy to fix. I don't know why it is. But for you, it could be something else. It could be a work situation. For you, it could be something with kids or grandkids or neighborhood kids. For you, it could be, you know, you have a bill due coming up. And you just begin to think about it and begin to get concerned about it. But all of us probably have a target. That's why I asked at the beginning, what are you most worried about? Because here's what the Apostle Paul 
now says to us through God's word, and he says this, um, he says, be anxious for nothing, but in, everybody say the word everything, ready? Everything. Does car trouble fit in everything? Does our work fit in everything? Do, do, all, do my kids fit in everything? Everything fits into everything, right? So I love that he keeps going on. So be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to who? To God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ. Heart and mind. Heart and mind. Let me read that again. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So prayer, here's what we need to remember. Prayer moves the hands of God that move the world. So when I stop and I pray, and I pray his word, I'm praying to a God that moves. And his very hands, the way that he works, the way that he operates is what moves this entire world when I stop and pray. So whenever you find yourself getting to where you're going to worry, Paul says, here's the first thing I need you to do. I need you to stop and I need you to pray. Get your focus off of the problem that you're worried about. Get your focus on God. That should be our first action, right? Not my tire, it's flat. Dumb car. I need a new car that doesn't have flat tires. Yeah, that won't ever work, will it? Even the other day, my uh, some of you call them a dolly, some of you call them a hand truck, because our oven went, our hand truck tire was flat. I knew it was the devil, right? It's after tires. Dumb things flat. Pray. Our first thing that we should do is figure out where can I get alone with God and pray and worship. He's big enough to solve our problems. And here's what he loves to do. Give us the insight and the wisdom on exactly what we need to do what we need to do. But if I don't get his wisdom on it, then I'm going to try to figure out something. That's what gets me in trouble. I need to find out his ways. In fact, I heard a funny story. This little boy at Thanksgiving said he wished Christmas came first and then Thanksgiving after because he told his parents that he would have more to be thankful for if he received his gifts. <laughs> Aren't we like that? When do we usually thank God? After. We're programmed. Somebody gets you a gift. You write them a thank you card, right? Or you text them, or, or you, you thank after. Well, we're being seen here, we thank first, right? We thank before we ever see it. Then we read this word supplication, which isn't one that we usually, it's not a, a word that we usually use, but it really means strong prayers. And you can write this down, look it up later. Hebrews 5, 7 gives us a picture 
This is the supplication that Jesus was praying when he was in the garden. It became intense prayer. There was pressure all around him physically. He's feeling it physically, but his prayers elevated. He prayed, he supplicated. He became more earnest, more strong in his prayers, even when the pressure was on. That's a great word for us today. When we feel like the pressure is the most on us, pray even more, right? Keep that worship music on even longer. Keep praying and thanking God because he's at work. And then the Apostle Paul uses that word with thanksgiving. I am, to, I am quick to ask, but many times I'm slow to give thanks. The Apostle Paul is saying, hey, when you pray, when you supplicate, here's what you need to do. You need to be, uh, have a thankful mouth to God. You thank him that he's already at work. He's already doing what he said he would do. That thanksgiving gets you off of getting your eyes back on it and start saying things you shouldn't say. Well, I hope that works. We can't be thankful and say, I hope it works. You have to be thankful to know that God is at work. And I thought I saw another one. In fact, if I read verses 8 and 9, in fact, let me read this out of the New King James, and then I'll read it out of the message. Um, because the Apostle Paul wants us also to remember that we've got to, in this time, meditate on God's word. In fact, he says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, Meditate on these things. And the things which you have learned and received and heard and saw from me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. In fact, let me read that to you out of the message translation. The Apostle Paul says it this way, summing it all up, friends, I'd say you do best filling your minds Meditating on things true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious. The best, not the worst. The beautiful, not the ugly. Things to praise, not things to curse. Put into practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that. And God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies. The God that makes everything work together. See, I think that's what the Apostle Paul is trying to get our minds back to focus on. Focus off of the concern. Focus back on God. In fact, we read that in the scripture, right? I'm anxious for nothing, but it's through my prayer through my intense prayer of supplication, and I'm thankful that he says this in verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. What guards the heart and what guards the mind? The peace of God. It will guard you in those times where you feel like you're anxious and you want to worry. 
because God's peace will begin to walk with you in the midst of those turbulent times. You know, we can go over example and example and example in the Bible. Peter is walking on the water. Any of you ever done that before? Have you ever been in a swimming pool all by yourself and you prayed that prayer? God, just one time. Nobody's looking. I just want to walk across the deep end. I won't tell anybody and I just want to see that miracle. And you know, you try it and what do you do? Yeah, you're eight feet under. Peter's walking on water. Nobody else. We don't read it anymore in scripture. We've never heard anybody else do it besides Jesus. But the moment he takes his, what? Eyes off of Jesus and looks or hears the wind, looks at the waves and looks at his feet. What does he do? Bloop. Begins to sink. He was walking on water when he was focused on Jesus. Jesus, who's his peace. You know, we read in the Bible, we read about, I believe it's Luke 17, where the ten lepers are healed. But only one comes back to Jesus to say thank you. They can now all be reunited with their family, not shunned from the community. They can come back and worship in the synagogue because they're clean. But only one comes back to give thanks. One of them wanted to see Jesus again and to say thank you. Yeah, let me read a couple other verses here. Psalm 119, 165. David says this. Great peace. Everybody say great peace. Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. Boy, there's a faith statement, isn't it? Great peace have those who love your law your law. Great peace have those that love your word. And nothing causes them to stumble. Does that mean nothing comes at them to try to get them to stumble? No, that's not what that means. That means when these opportunities come for them to stumble, they have great peace in the word of God and it doesn't cause them to stumble. Psalm 55 verse 22. In fact, I love this verse. Cast your burden on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. I get that picture. Have you ever seen those guys at the beach and they have that long fishing pole with that big old weight? And what they're trying to do is they're trying to get it past the surf because past the surf is the fish. They have to cast it all the way out. I love that picture of thinking, cast your burdens on the Lord. Cast them on the Lord. He shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Isn't it interesting? The, the burden in this life is the cares. It's the things that we carry around, the disappointments. But he says, cast those on me. Cast those on me. In Matthew chapter 11, I, I'm going to look at this. I'll end with this today. Matthew 11, verse 29 and 30 Jesus says these words. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest in your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I remember several years ago, you know, I have to, we have to remind ourselves, none of us have farm animals 
None of us are getting to, you know, start tomorrow morning off with the yoke of oxen and we're going to plow the fields. That's exactly what that yoke was. It was to connect the other animals together or to connect the single animal to the plow. So here's Jesus's analogy to the people of that day. He says, take my yoke upon you. But here's what he says. Learn from me. How do I learn from Jesus? I'm reading through the Bible and I'm learning how he responded, how he acted. I still don't know how he got angry and threw over every table and picked up the whip and drove everybody out and the Bible says he didn't sin. How do you not get it? Have you ever done that before? You go completely berserk and not sin? No, usually you've done you know, right, so, several things. He was able to get angry and not sin. I need to learn how he did that. He says this, take my yoke upon you, but you need to learn from me. We need to be people that learn for him. And here's what Jesus says, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for what? Your souls. You'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Yesterday at our, uh, the ordination service, and, I, and I've heard our supervisor do this before, and I've always thought it was so profound. Of all of the pastors being ordained, when he anoints them, he doesn't anoint them with oil on their head or their hands or their feet. He anoints them on the back of their neck. And he says, because I want the anointing that comes on you today to be just like what Jesus said, to take his yoke upon you and learn from him. Think about that. Lifting off the heavy yoke that's on us, and Jesus says, take mine. Right? It's lightweight. You know, everything today is being made lightweight, isn't it? Man, I got these shoes on, they're so lightweight. We're used to everything but Bill had. No, he says, mine's light. Take mine. I'll take yours. Take mine. Think about that. He says, I'll take your heavy yoke. And I want you to put mine on. But you need to learn from me. So I wanted us to close this way today. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Would you put your hand on the back of your neck? Father, I pray today, even as we have our hands on our necks, that we would, in our hearts and our minds, remove the heavy yoke that we've been carrying. The weights, the burdens, the anxiousness, the worries, the cares, the fears, the anxieties, the what-ifs. And as we lay our hands, Lord, I pray for every hand that's laid upon a neck that even today, in our time together with you, that the Holy Spirit would remind them that Jesus said, I'm going to take your heavy yoke and I'm going to put upon you a yoke that's light and easy, but you've got to learn from me. So Father, today we do that very thing. The very thing that we're concerned about, we cast on you because you care for us. The very thing that might be a weight to us, we give it to you. And Father, you promise when we do that and as we pray 
and as we supplicate, as we give you thanksgiving, you go on to say, and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds. Lord, I pray that even this week in our lives, we see you work and confirm in such a way because today we've made a statement and we've been bold to remove whatever we've been carrying and take upon us you. You can make the crooked places straight. You're the God of promotion. You're the one that sets one up and sets another down. You're the one that said you would supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And Jesus said, don't worry about the things of this world, what you're going to eat. Worry and seek first the kingdom. Seek me. Learn from me. We receive that today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. If you would stand with me, let's close with this chorus.